0: Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR 484. It's WWE SummerSlam 1992, but I'm not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by the entire WNR team. Up first by my side for every WWE and AEW show is, of course, the fantastic Jaxie Scarlett. How's it going? Hello, hello. I'm
1: doing very well, thank you. And how are you, James?
0: I am really excited. I I know wrestling all of us have got to watch and i'm forcing the three of you to go back 31 years to watch this event and i'm hyped for it now again i don't want to be rude and you never ask a girl her age so how much do you weigh jacksy now I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm joking with that but again <laughs> i mean are you are you aware of the event i mean you
2: know
0: were you, you know, born uh, can th- you give us that I think well,
1: the one thing that I will say, which I was hoping to bring up today is um, I have to uh, give you a, a nod of appreciation um, and a, a, a little thanks because you're making me do my homework. Um, I was only three years old at the time of this, so I would not have watched this live. Um, and, uh, you know, getting a chance to actually have a reason to go back and watch Summer nineteen ninety two. 1992. Um, yeah, I, I, Thoroughly enjoyed the nostalgia of actually going back to an era that I was very much a child in. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting discussion today,
0: I think. Yeah, and I don't want to blame you for this show, but, I mean, we were at The Clash when I think both of you saw the couple of SummerSlam clips on, like, the Titan Tron. Yeah. And we're going, oh, uh, you know.
1: James, I I was already, you know, like, three or four beers in at this point as well, so don't, don't hold that against me.
2: (laughs)
0: i was <laughs> saying, hopefully, we can have a look at wrestling history, uh, and it should be good. Of course, definitely. Well, up next, our resident NXT expert and New Japan deity. It is, of course, Monty. How's it going, man?
3: I'm going good. I'm going good. I'm watching. I'm watching a lot of G1 wrestling as of recently, so I had to. Had to you know calm my expectations down a lot, you know, because a lot has changed and a lot is completely different when you're talking about the current product and what we're watching. Hey, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I watched uh, this. I watched SummerSlam '92 in spots. Like I was a DVD guy growing up, so I had a lot of old classic uh, DVDs, and I, I watched like I think it was the Legion of Doom DVD. They had this match on there. Uh, had their match that we're going to be talking about on there. And I watched a uh, Bret Hart, of course, a Bret Hart DVD. he he's, he's done a lot of content <laughs> when it comes to about his match with Bulldog. So, you know, hopefully we get to talk about a little bit of that. But, yeah, that's kind of how – that was pretty much my only, like, viewpoint of this show. I've only seen those two matches before all of this. So, watching the show in its com- complete, like, bliss and just see how things were in 92 and just what – like how different everything feels. It was, this was this was a brand new experience for me, so uh, it, was, it was cool to get a chance to do this. Uh, but uh, I wasn't born yet, so well, get ready. For, I knew you
2: were uh, gonna say
3: that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't born, so yeah, it was three years before I was even born. So she was three, I was negative three. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, here we go. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if I'm a little too young for this. <laughs>
0: yeah, and again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but again, it's quite a culture shock from go to New Japan, the strong style to WWF in 1998.
3: Completely (laughs) different. Oh my goodness. So different.
0: Oh, well, it should be good. But last, but by no means least, God save our gracious G, long live our noble G. God save the G, send her victorious, happy and glorious, long to reign over us, God save the G. The Queen of the w is Gina
1: what up yeah i am the queen that's totally a perfect song i actually think that's my favorite one
0: <laughs> <laughs> why am i not surprised why am i not
2: surprised <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, i'm out of breath i've got to be here oh, say so you G- <laughs> so gina you're here like should we know how old you were what was your recollection of SummerSlam 92 before i asked <laughs> you to watch it today?
2: Um,
1: okay, so this is where I'm going to say you can tell which one is the the elder twin and which one's the younger twin, because my sister was like, yeah, we're going to get to kind of delve into legendary wrestling, do some history on it, and I was like, oh, really? I don't want to watch something so awful, (laughs) and then she had to convince me to watch it with her, just so that I could be be a part of the show tonight, and I was just like, I don't I don't really want to. And it's not because I don't care for the legends. Um, I do. It's just it took my sister convincing me a little bit just to have a little bit of interest of going back there. So, yeah, it was difficult for me to get in an excited mind frame
0: to see it, if I'm honest. I'm happy to have you on board. (laughs) It sounds (laughs) sounds like going to be a happy passenger. But uh, there's going to be lots of stuff. And again, before we start, I will say... Only I was only five years old when this event happened, four or five, trying to work it out. So before anybody thinks I was like forty and went to the event, I wasn't. All right, this is, yeah. this is, this is, this is again. I was only five. Thought so. you were like eighteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got to take my photo. But um, we're, we're, getting, we're going back 31 years. Before we do, let's get a self. You know, we're going in a time machine, going back. So let's get self in the mood. So what I did was start and kind of look. So films from like 31 years ago. Now, I've got a list of top 10. Now, Monty, you might not be that good because you were minus three. But hopefully with some clues, we can get most of them. All right. So we'll see how we go. So obviously, I'm going to help you out with a couple of them. So top 10. 10 was Wayne's World. 9 was Bram Stoker's Dracula. Number 8. Now, you guys can get number 8 because this woman had a habit of doing this film. Go on, guys. You've got this. It's Disney. A habit of doing it. No? Uh, well, that's Sister Act. Pass. Oh, yeah. I think we're Okay, Sister, Sister
3: Act. Okay. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi right. Whoopi Shit, I need, I need to help. More. Yeah, <laughs> I need to get better You said it's
1: is Disney. It's not Disney. This
3: is is it? Yes. It's, it's, yeah. The they used to play it on right? Disney Channel.
1: Yeah. I didn't even realize that. So right. thanks for thanks for that bit of knowledge.
0: I'm not even going to bother with a few good men because I don't know how to do that. So number six right, was a superhero movie from DC. So big movie. Batman. Okay. So if he went somewhere and then came back, what would it be? Returns, right? <laughs> so,
2: I'm <amateur>. yeah. <laughs> there you go
0: okay cool come on <laughs> it's gonna be hard work now, next on the list if I've got a gun in my hand what would you call it a gun or a knife or, or something like that in my hand what would you call it Rambo <laughs> now, it, it's it's used for saying so what would it be when you when you use something on some
1: Sure.
0: so what's a gun what is a gun
1: a weapon, right? Lethal yeah. weapon. Oh,
0: yeah, lethal. but <laughs> if I had more than one, what would it be? Lethal weapon, <laughs> two. No, more than that. No, I don't <laughs> more than yes. yeah,
3: right. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know they made three.
2: <laughs>
3: I think they made four, but I
0: mean,
2: <laughs> he's getting too old for no,
0: this. I've shit. only seen one. I've <laughs> only seen He's getting too one. old for it. That's what's the problem. Uh, so, <laughs> It made three hundred and twenty million. Like I said, the fifth top film in nineteen ninety two Four. Oh. if I was if I was doing a clue, I'd be sitting in my chair and then open up my legs. What film is that?
2: Um, oh, you think Yes, yeah. We're
0: getting
1: there. there you go. <laughs> right. well, I did I'm, not mean to see I feel like I'm sat at a desk right now with my hand in the air. I'm, I'm gonna stop.
0: Just, right, so, <laughs> up next, number three. Now, it's not going to help you guys, but this is one of my favourite movies of all It is a, a kids' movie, but it's about one kid especially. Uh, and this was huge in the early 90s. This is the sequel. It's about one kid and home Cap- alone? Yes, so Yes. Charlie and just- the Chocolate home Factory? Oh, uh, wait, what is <laughs> <was laughs> it? But it's not the first one. On, on, two. Yeah. Full, full title for a bonus point. Anybody? <laughs> uh, New York, right? Ain't that
3: the New, yeah. That's That's New, New York. York? Yeah, Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Right, number two. I know a
0: bit. <laughs> Number two. The film. I'm just gonna do like one bit. I'm gonna go and uh. The Bodyguard. Yes, The Bodyguard. Oh, I can't believe how big Kevin Costner was in the 90s as well. 411 million. Now, the biggest movie of Night (laughs) Night 2 was animated. It was from Disney. So, Disney animated. Night Night 2, there's been a live-action remake of it as well, where the person who plays the iconic role had been recast. Is it the Mermaid one? About I was going to say, is it the Little Mermaid? It's the one afterwards in Disney anthology, <laughs> so you've got... Oh, um...
1: Me too. Yeah, yeah,
0: I got nothing. Yeah, you... <laughs> I don't remember the name <laughs> of it. He it a lot in the movie. Oh, oh i love <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
2: in of
1: Steve's? Is it King of Thieves? No, it's just the first Prince Aladdin.
0: And Aladdin the made movies. over half a billion dollars at the box office. Can you believe that? So I, do so. I mean, how times have changed, you know. It's a decent with... movie. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. But, I mean, <laughs> Aladdin, you know, Lethal Weapon, Batman Returns. You know, Lisa, you know, Michael Keaton is back in cinema. So it's not really changed that much <laughs> in mm-hmm. 30 okay. years, I suppose. Music-wise, my God. I mean, like, you've got songs. I'm not uh, going to get you to list the songs, but I'll list them <laughs> just like a few minutes. It's going to be really difficult. So, stuff like End of the Road by Boys to Men, which, obviously... Hey,
2: you know, that's it.
1: Cheers! S- <laughs>
0: smells yeah. Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. I mean, come on. Uh, Old oh, drama oh, was gone. <laughs> Baby Got Back by <laughs> Sir mix lot <laughs> Hey!
3: Another classic.
0: <laughs> By Billy Ray Cyrus, you gotta love "Breaking
3: Heart." Oh no! Oh no!
0: Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Come on, what a song! Uh,
1: Still listening to it. Yeah, me
0: too. I'm interested, Monty. If you know, "I'm Too Sexy" by Right Said Fred. Yes, I do.
3: Uh, Yes, I do. It's very, very memorable. If not a good song, it's definitely memorable. I say that. (laughs)
0: Uh, And also, and when this came up playlist of 92 songs and uh, when this came on in the car i was like oh, that's, a t- that's a tune i've not heard it in years it felt like and that was black or white by Michael jackson and what i cannot as a kid okay. in the early 90s that song was just the anthem of kind of like a couple of summers and that uh, music video is so memorable i've seen it on like top of the pops which was a thing back then monty you know uh it was yeah. unbelievable you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> I swear you could you used to be able to request songs um, music videos to be shown on top of like one of the TV shows you could like send in a text and request and I remember I got in so much trouble with my dad because I sent in a text from his phone or, or something <laughs> like that like calling the house phone to request Michael Jackson like <laughs> so many times like the same music video as well. And it got to the point oh, that my oh, dad oh, taught me how to record things on the VCR so I could just re-watch Michael
0: I'm Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, a legend there, yeah. That? <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, you know, like I said, and what song? And even like, you know, with the lyrics in itself, I said, if you're thinking of being my brother, it don't matter if you're black or white, you know? And again, it's saying that as a child, it's such a great thing to go kind of hear. Just a shame Michael Jackson didn't take his own advice. But again, who knows, you know? So I think with <laughs> that, though, we are in Night Night Two at this moment in time, uh, and we're talking about SummerSlam Night Night Two, which was originally intended to take place in Washington D.C. W.F. decided to move the event to Wembley due to the company's growing popularity and the possibility of, of course, increasing the revenue for that event. Weirdly enough, yes. it didn't take; it did took place on Saturday, August twenty ninth, but didn't air on pay per view until Monday, August thirty first, because back then, Monty, you Americans were weird. You know, you didn't want to get up early to watch the yeah. pay-per-view. You know, it, was
3: <laughs> it no. wasn't a dumb thing. Don't know why. It's, and then we got, like, a completely different version, right? Like, the U.S. had a completely different version of the show. Like, you guys got, like, three four extra matches, I think. Yeah, well, I don't think people in the U.S. even saw.
0: Without of a doubt, we had 11 matches on the U.K. show, and I think seven of them got broadcast. But more importantly, in the U.K. version, Repo yes. Man match was cut. Uh, but <laughs> we are... Going to focus on the network Are version. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Maybe they don't like Crush, but uh, we're going to focus on the kind of network version, not the kind of. Bl- there's a Blu ray that come out as well, celebrating 30 years last year, uh, which has got all these matches on. But we thought we'd just keep it nice and simple uh, with the eight matches that were on the card and uh, the crowd in itself. Uh, This is WWE's fourth largest live audience ever to attend a WWE event with 80,355. WrestleMania 29 in 2013 had 80,676. WrestleMania 3 had a reported 93,173, but we all know about WrestleMania 3's attendance. And WrestleMania 32, 101,763. Now, Jackson, you consider this event 31 years ago for Wembley to still hold the fourth highest attendance and arguably the third is a credible achievement still, you know?
1: It really is, considering the fact that, you know, they've not actually been over here and had major events um, within the UK. So um, to know that, you know, even having a majority of of the main pay-per-view shows over in the US and we're still holding a title like that, I think that's something to be proud of.
0: Well, actually, another title to be proud of as well was the amount of, like I said, the ticket sales and how much money it went for. Uh, five days after tickets, first went on sale, it was believed that there were 65,000 seats sold, uh, and it is saying that they did over $2.7 million for the events just in tickets. So I think, especially, I mean, Monty at this time, WWE or WF as it was, was kind of going through some certain changes, you know. Again, not to try and look at it, but there was a side case kind of in the mm-hmm. background. H- Hogan yep. was kind of winding down, and we were switching from kind of bigger guys mm-hmm. to smaller guys. And The business in America kind of had not been, you know, it hits popular, it's kind of waning down. So, this was a good decision
3: overall. Oh, it was the right decision to make because, like you mentioned, not only was it, uh, it was moved, it wasn't just because of. How well they were selling in, in in the UK. I mean, I think that just worked out in their favor. That oh man, we're selling like hotcakes. Let's just move let's see if we can get it over here. But I also think, you know, like you said, in Maryland or wherever they wanted to have the show originally, like they just they weren't doing a good job make, selling out shows at the time. Like they were just having a very very tough time. Like I said, it was very it was a notorious transitional period, I guess you can say. And they went through that transition for a while before they finally started to pick numbers up you know at the beginning of the attitude era you know it fluctuated and dropped but yeah this is truly a a card where even on the card you can kind of see some of the people booked here in a few months or a year after this some of these guys alone are gone and you won't see them for years or or you know you won't ever see them again so yeah man this is truly kind of a a a exciting but weird time in wwe uh, elf at the time because, like you said, they were transitioning from the from the 80s and, you know, they they, they probably they ran that Hulkamania thing to the point to where it was dry and you had the steroid case that he was uh, notoriously a part of. So it was just so much going on. But I think this show did wonders for them, uh, at least not, not only morale, but at least from a public opinion, because even if they were struggling in the States, if you look at this show, you could not tell one bit. And I think, like you said, it was genius. For them to take advantage of the UK market that was, uh, you know, really looking forward to this show at the time.
0: Yeah, and one of the results of being at Wembley was one of the stories were changed. Shawn Michaels was going to win the In The Connected from Bret Hart. Of course, it was adjusted mm-hmm. with the, the David Boy Smith British Bulldog of native of Wigan, or Leeds, as Howard Finkel says, uh, was chosen to be with the main event, but like I said, we're going to get on with the show. Watching the network version, or Monty, you're riding the cock, you know, as you say. <laughs> yeah, the car.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. We get a big uh, Ico Pro to start off. Now, Ico Pro was not a successful venture. I think we just leave it there. <laughs> but any mid 90s WF show will have an Ico Pro ad, especially kind of early roars, you know. Um, there was a shot of the fans outside the stadium. Comment on the big matches, stuff like, and I can't believe how English they sounded. Like, call Blimey Guff now, yeah. I hope Ultimate Warrior wins. (laughs) Like, it was just (laughs) what did
3: they get then? What about the kid talking about Bulldog? Oh man, the kid, (laughs) whether he wants to or not. I'm just like, what do you mean? (laughs) It was great, yeah. Who says, Yeah, the Bulldog's gonna win
0: whether he likes it or not. We don't know. We get a group of six trumpeters start the show, which uh, they start every uh, event in England (laughs) with a song in front of the crowd. Vincent Mann on commentary mentioned there was over 80,000 fans. Vince, of course, was at ringside with Bobby the Brain Heenan. I love me some Bobby Heenan. He put a crown on and said he's the king of England. Vince called it the SummerSlam we thought we'd never see. This was only the fifth edition. (laughs) which is crazy to think, but I mean, the setting in itself, I mean, Gina, we, I mean, we're going to Wembley at the end of August, but the way WWE and the way Wembley looked with the crowd there, like Monty says, it didn't look like we were struggling at this moment in time. It looked beautiful, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it really did. I was quite shocked. Again, for me, I I, I was expecting things to be a hell of a lot different, um, watching a '99. 1992 show um but it, it still looks you know like they put as much money into it back then than they kind of do still now um
0: so for me it, it looked great without a shadow of a doubt well first match is money incorporated ted DiBiase, brc and erwin i shyster with jimmy hart versus legion of doom hawk and animal with paul erring and Rocco. Now, Rocco was a puppet Paul Ellering carried around with him. And over 30 years later, it still doesn't make sense. Uh, but at the LAD, they came out with an entrance on motorcycle. I mean, Jaxie, what a fucking entrance. I mean, especially that long ramp, when it usually takes people, you know, yeah. 10 minutes to walk down. I mean, they just looked awful. I,
1: I, I definitely noticed the ramp whilst they were kind of going down on the motorbikes. And it was only at that point I made a remark to be like, how long? Is that rump <laughs> Um, It feels quite long just even watching a bunch of motorcycles going down it. So again, because this was my first time watching it, at this point already I'm going, oh my gosh, how long is it going to take for Undertaker to come out for his match? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was just
1: thinking to myself, it's going to be about 15, 20 minutes long. Yeah. Um, but I did, I, I must admit, it was really just sort of captivating to actually watch them with motorcycles back at that time as well. Again, this is my first time watching it. But it kind of gave me, uh, you know, sort of Triple H vibes, seeing him come down on, on the quad bike and then, you know, even the the American badass uh, Undertaker at uh, sort of later stages in life. So it really originated, um, you know, way back in 1992, uh, something
0: I wasn't expecting. Yeah, well, the Hills in this match worked over Hulk after making some quick tags and taking turns. In the- there was a headlock applied for about two minutes. Ah, the 90s. People say things were better back then. Uh, Animal got a hot tag against DiBiase with a leaping shoulder tackle. Animal void a double team attack and hit a double clothesline. The crowd was on fire for LOD. Atomic drop by Animal on Shyster sent Erwin out the ring. Corner clothesline by Animal on DiBiase. Hawk uh, up top, but Jimmy distracted the ref is with a drop kick to knock Animal down. But that didn't stop anything because Animal whipped DiBiase into Shyster was on the apron, and Animal hit a power slam on DiBiase for the pin full win. Uh, But this is what you call a road warrior pop. And again, Monty, there's not really much to talk about, you know, quality-wise in this match. But just seeing these, you know, the, the entrance and the kind of the circumstance, it makes it a better opener, you know?
3: Yeah, man, I think that's what kind of carried this match, man. The visual, the energy... Um, you know like you mentioned the entrance once, once in a lifetime type of entrance like you said it was something that I'd, honestly it was probably their, one of their most famous moments in under the WWE uh e or f banner at the time you know when you think about it cuz you know lod was a legendary tag team for what they done what they did all all around, all around the world but you know they wasn't as big if, or if you look at their run they didn't get a chance to accomplish nearly as much as you would think under the w w e f banner, but this moment, like you said, lives on forever uh and uh it was just it was awesome, like you said, as far as the crowd energy and as far as what they what they were doing, but like you said, it was solid to simple you know, I guess you could say simple wrestling, it felt like that classic tag team formula that if you watch a lot of matches from back in the day, that's kind of like the way that a lot of them were as a matter of fact, I'll get into that as we talk about another tag team match as we go on, but it was like that formula that they kind of had but like you said, the crowd was hot for LOD. And uh, you know, it was simple but nothing but still very, very good. And like you said, just iconic stuff here. Uh, and you can see why they they were legends and just why, like you said, they 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 had they had that phrase, the road the Road Warrior pop. Everybody wanted to get the crowd on their feet or excited like they did. And it was, just, it was nobody like L.O.D. at the time, you know, it completely. Oh, I mean, well, when Demolition, besides Demolition, I guess. <laughs> no. Demolition is literally, literally Demolition. trying to beat him. But I, they I, weren't, they, yeah, they were nowhere near I, L.O.D. I'm just saying we they were obviously later, trying to beat him. Yeah, uh, Yeah. One okay. Yeah, one we're the
0: talking about this. I noticed here, the blue foam finger was a big seller. You <laughs> know, like. <it's laughs> right. Every child. A lot of those. Yeah, it was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, blue phone fingers everywhere. Uh, As for Ted DiBiase, he was unwinding from in-ring action. And with team with IRS, they're going to win the tag titles. Weirdly enough, this match was the end of LOD for a few years. Right. Drug problems. It's kind of crazy to think that. Well, he ended up joining the Hells Angels in England. W3. Legit, right? Yeah, yeah, like
3: yeah legit. He just <laughs> stayed back, right? I, I heard like after this show, Animal went home, but he just stayed in London.
0: <laughs> joined the Hells Angels. Um, my man wanted Hawk to go to yeah, rehab, sorry. he didn't want to. Uh, the duo did return to right. WSW together about four years later, but again. Uh, there was a partner, there was stuff in Japan about, of um, course, in Road Warriors as well, which mm-hmm. uh, is interesting. But a good way to start the show. We see Ric Flair interviewing Gene backstage. How did Flair look old then? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think
1: the one Even thing. With the golden hair. I <laughs> actually <laughs> asked my sister, I was like, Has he always been white haired? Always? Like, yes. Was he born with the white hair?
3: <laughs>
1: yeah that's awesome. just to the
3: that just show you the massive amount of bleach he used <laughs> like oh my goodness it's always been gold and white
1: yeah yeah
3: I'm just,
1: but it, it it is crazy because of like even you know this isn't meant to like sound offensive so hopefully it's not taken, taken that way but i really you know, couldn't, couldn't even really tell his age at the end yeah this point, um, you know, even w- with the bleached hair, even if it, that wasn't what he was going for, um, he kind of made it so it was much more difficult to work out w- what age he's at. I mean, at he could have been in his early 20s at that point, but he also could have <laughs> been in his 40s. Like, he could have matched both ages. It's just... So... <laughs> yeah. this is That's not meant to be rude. It's no, just no, 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 I don't know if it's a compliment or not either. I
0: know going, it's going to wrestle for like another sixteen years. He was like so years, he was past yeah. it at this point. So well, some people said, uh, "This is Flair's right. debut at SummerSlam." He was in his wrestling attire. He wasn't. But for a match, I guess, he travelled <laughs> on a <the> plane night. <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he didn't get the memo. Maybe he didn't get the memo. And by the time he turned up, he was like, well, I'm already in wrestling gear, so might as well see what's about.
3: Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> the story was about whose corner Mr. Perfect might be in during the Savage versus Warrior match. Flair didn't answer Gene's question about whose corner you will be in. He just said Perfect was in the dressing room of the winner. Virgil was interviewed by Sean Maloney about his match with Nails. Vince Shields W WWE SummerSlam Hotline. And, again, good bit of advice. Kids, make sure you get your parents' permissions before making the call. You see, you've got to get parents' permission. Uh, as we move on to Nails versus Virgil. Now, Nails' gimmick was that of a former Ooh. convict seeking revenge on the world, especially Big Boss Man. Nails had one good match. In his career. And that was against Big Boss Man. Uh, Nails choked yeah. Virgil. This wasn't it. <laughs> this wasn't it. He choked Virgil for about a minute <laughs> and tossed him out of the ring. Beat on Virgil a bit outside. Back in the ring. Boots to the face. And Virgil ran into a Nails clothesline. Nails applied an aggressive choke hold. But he then said it was a sleeper. Vince oh. said it was a blatant choke. Virgil was out. So the ref called for the bell. Post match, now's got the nightstick that once belonged to Big Boss Man and hit Virgil with it. Poked Virgil with a nightstick as well. Now stared back, and that was it. What is interesting, is <laughs> not this match, but the stories of Nails, right? So, if anybody's never heard of the story of Nails, oh, yeah. if anybody oh, listening doesn't man. know what he looks like, it's not watch this event. Google Nails, right? So here we go. He was <laughs> released from his contract in December 1992. And you're thinking, no big deal, because right, he,
3: that's normal. That's normal,
0: because he attacked <laughs> Vincent Mann in his office over a financial dispute. I shit you yeah. not. Bret Hart, who's going to pop up a few times on this pod, uh, mm-hmm. he said he cornered Vince in his offer, office and screamed at him for 15 minutes. He heard a loud crash, which was uh, nails knocking Vince over in his chair and choking him violently. The incident led to a series of lawsuits, believe it or not, with Nails even alleging had given him steroids on a number of occasions. McMahon denied mm-hmm. the claim. Nails then filed a wrongful termination lawsuit claiming McMahon sexually assaulted him. Sexually assaulted. Sexually assaulted. Yeah. assaulted. That's what Nails is saying that happened.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait,
1: what? Wait, <laughs> Nails is saying that Vince sexually assaulted him. Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 That's why he choked him. I guess yeah. that's, that's that's the well, way he's playing. In a way, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Didn't that boss his
0: hand.
1: I mean, you he were jokin' controversy surrounding this pay per view, were you?
2: <laughs> this is what I'm saying.
0: This is this is why now's is his fun. You know. Uh, he claimed yeah, the man yeah. also told him to take steroids. Not only did he sexually abuse him, but right. he said, you better
3: take these fucking steroids because I don't he like Eddie Boy. He gave it to Eddie. You know,
1: like now, literally, he, he I just allowed him, allowed all of this to happen. You know,
3: you might as well say he injected it for him and everything. At this point, yeah.
1: oh, Vince was holding down and forcefully <laughs> inject him with the steroids. Yeah, sure. Now, okay. oh
0: man. Believe it or not, Nails never worked in wrestling after this. I don't know. He did have one match in WWE as a prisoner. the prisoner. Uh, oh, as the well, convict. Yeah, the convict, the prison, we like yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. So we never got the Undertaker match. Uh, there were still people that are complaining that Undertaker uh, and Nails were meant to have a feud, and it never happened. Oh, no.
3: Thank <laughs>
0: you. We got cheated, guys. We got cheated. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Virgil went on to join the NWO, but that's a whole story
3: for another day. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That is is something else.
3: I was surprised how over Virgil is, but I guess this was after he, you know, finally stood up to Ted or something, I guess. not, You know, but it's all. You got London really loved Virgil that night. It was the most over I ever heard of Virgil. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't
0: didn't last long. It didn't matter. And the match was (laughs) dog shit. But uh, we see Bobby Heening uh, mentioning soccer and cricket. So you know we're in England, right? Because they're mentioning both of them. <laughs> there was a shot backstage of Lord Alfred Hayes standing outside the Randy Savage locker room for the whereabouts of Mr. Perfect. Sensational Sherry was interviewed by Mean Jean. She was the manager of Shawn Michaels. Mean Jean narrated some clips, showed a build from Michaels and Rick Martel. The story was she had a crush on Martel. Even though she managed Michael, Sherry did a promo <laughs> saying both men had agreed not to hit each other in the face. In the face. <laughs> in the face. So, no strikes in the face. But to try and make a serious point, I cannot state how important Sherry was in getting Sean Michaels yes. over as a legitimate heel. You've got to imagine at this point, um, much like, you know, the Hardys or any other team like that, you, you know, you can think of, they were just two baby f- the Rockers. This was coming months after um, Michaels threw his partner, Giannetti in through the barbershop window. Becoming a single star, mm-hmm. uh, and personally, I I prefer Sherry's Shawn Michaels theme over uh, okay, Shawn Michaels so theme. That happened,
2: shortly,
1: that happened just shortly before. Yes. Um, shortly after that, that like SummerSlam, but before SummerSlam.
0: Yeah, before. Well, this is kind of Michaels on his yeah the first singles run just as just a the, hill. Like,
1: Yeah, hit the beginning of his like solo career mm-hmm. really. Right. Yeah,
2: because yeah. I, okay. I yeah, couldn't really cool.
1: work. This point, like where we were in that thing, whether or not like his partner had been injured or anything like that, so I was trying to work
0: it out. Yeah, and literally, Sherry took him to that next level of you know intercontinental kind of challenger, uh, and it's mm-hmm. you know, so important in this. The really match, yeah, the match itself. Uh, I mean, there were some simply to type hills, so you know, there's <laughs> not a lot you could do. Sherry was showing a lot of cheek. Considering this is a PG, <laughs> I mean, my God, you know? Vince did say there was a part of her outfit missing.
1: I mean, uh, I liked her outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, she had the she boot. Looked, I thought she looked really good, for, especially for that time. I just thought, yeah, yeah
3: she's working it. She always I worked have, it, though, man. God, was,
1: you, you know, she has a very juicy booty, so... <laughs> <laughs>
3: But he yeah, said no, she always worked
0: it. Without a doubt. The wrestlers agreed not to hit each other in the face. Sherry checked on Sean on the floor and Martel gave her a big hug, which led to her smiling. Sherry was, was gold in this as well. Each guy did one-ups oh, yeah. while grabbing a tight. That
2: smile
1: went off of her face into the stadium, seriously. That smile was so
0: white. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see him grabbing each other's tights because they're heels. Uh, Michael's got a boot a pinfall with his foot on the ropes but the ref saw it so Mattel got a roll up for two both guys ended up slapping each other in the face, Sherry on the apron yelling about it and then what she decides to do? Just faint. I mean how great yeah. was
2: that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this was just brilliant. It was absolutely hilarious. I was laughing so hard at this. <laughs> well, I was
0: he... like oh you <laughs> <graphic> <laughs> bitch, get up. <laughs> well that's what I'm saying, he even had a funny line about how he knows when a woman faints. Uh, Michael, oh, no. <laughs> Michael's checked on Sherry on the floor. Martel shoved Marcus away, did CPR on her. He was having a good time, no <laughs> doubt. <damn>. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like, uh, she yeah. wasn't having a heart attack. <laughs> she she like, didn't need CPR. <laughs>
0: like, I know what she, she needs. I was trying
1: just give her the kiss of life or something, but no, he was like, I'm going to break her ribs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, like we said, it turned into a slugfest. They went up the aisle and the referee counted the out. But it wasn't about that, really, because post-match, Sherry sat up and saw the two guys fighting up the aisle, right. <laughs> realising maybe it's not going to be great. Uh, Michaels went back to the ring to take Sherry to the back by carrying over a shoulder, but Mattel went back to the ring, punched Michaels, and Mattel carried <laughs> Sherry. Michaels, though, knocked it's
3: down <laughs> She takes the best bumps of the match. Like, she's just bumping all down the rim. She was taking a best,
1: And yet she was thinking that she was, like, still knocked out after each blow. I was like, girl, you should hold <laughs> Get up and get out the way. These two are still fighting, and you're just in the way. <laughs>
3: Well and then she gets left alone. Well, I saying,
0: Michael's picked Sherry Martel <laughs> with a bucket of water in his hands and he tossed it onto Sherry. And like I said, <laughs> she you was... gotta wake up. <laughs> she was left <laughs> alone as Michael chased after Martel and she went after him. This was so stupid it was fun. You know, like I can't put into work. It really was.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed it so much, James. It was one that I wasn't expecting to like just be so engrossed in with the entertainment rather than for the wrestling. But this was one of those moments that I just, it was just way too funny. You could not not be entertained by it, you know? That's
0: what i was saying. Do you think this is what is missing from nowadays somewhat, just to be able to have a little bit of fun? You know, that's what it felt like.
3: Best double count out ever, probably. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Didn't even care that they got counted out. nope. Yeah, it was great.
0: (laughs) Well, should say there is no relationship or relation between Sherry Martell and, uh, of course, Rick Martell. I thought they were married for years until I, like, (laughs) Googled it. And I was like, oh, shit, there's no... But Vignalt (laughs) Vignalt was his real last name. So maybe he changed it because of it. Maybe. Yeah. He retired in 1999. Sherry would go to WCW and take Harlem Heat Mm -hmm. to the next level. Harlem Heat. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, Sherry was excellent here. Heenan supporting her with the story. This is why Heenan's such a great color commentator as well because he was supporting the story going along with it. It made me think that it's saying that Michaels might fucking NXT nowadays. You know, like <laughs> the way NXT <laughs> yeah. is. I wouldn't,
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised.
3: I wouldn't be surprised at all. He definitely could pull that one out of the cap.
1: could <laughs> I mean, really take some reference from that, though, and actually still run with it in like this modern era. And I think it would work.
0: Yeah, well enough. I think
1: it would work as well. I'd be interested
0: in that, but yeah. not making it too cheesy. This is the thing, modern twist to it, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, like, you know, whoever whoever is sort of taking over like the sherry type uh, type character type role. Um, they just need to have that sort of entertaining factor like naturally, you know like mm-hmm. it's not it, it's like, she she had like this uh talent for this sort of entertaining factor to come naturally and it didn't feel forced um and it still was uh laughable it was, still was funny mm-hmm. um and they need to kind of just find that in in a wrestler again because you know I think that sometimes this is what uh wrestlers struggle with, not just uh females but males, and it's like you know naturally winning the audience over with you know uh humor um
3: in a no way I oh, want to
1: say Carmela had a little bit of that you
3: yeah, know well, whenever
1: it, she's entertaining and because she's quite loud and she can be heard sort of by the crowd even without a mic I think like she she did have a bit of that before she she went off to do the I'm pretty phase you know when she was doing the Mella's money phase I think like that's how she kind of won the crowd over because she was quite entertaining.
0: You know? Like I said, it'd be interesting if they do something like that. We something that we'd never see again. The Nasty Boys we were interviewed by Sean Mooney in the locker room <laughs> with Jimmy Hart. he didn't have a title shot. Well, we have the W Tag Team Championships. You know what's coming up, Monty. We've got the Natural Disasters, yes. Earthquake and and uh, Typhoon or Tugboat or shockmaster or whatever you want to call him. Whatever you want to call him. Versus the <laughs> Beverly Brothers. Bo and Blake Beverly with the genius. Uh, the genius read a poem for the match. There was a big oh. pop for the natural disasters. Even I don't remember the natural disasters being this over. But they were, <laughs> <laughs> they were the team champions at the time. And the hills kept tagging in and out as they worked on Typhoon. Typhoon tagged out, but the ref didn't see it because, you know, that's what happens. But then the Hills switch position and then the ref mm-hmm. sees it anyway. All right. Earthquake nearly go. And then we see Earthquake getting a hot tag to a big ovation and a hip toss and bow, followed by Betty to Betty suplex. Blake went in the ring. Quake knocked him down with a double shoulder tackle. Typhoon sent Blake out the ring. Corner splash by Quake on Bow, followed by a power slam. Running splash by Quake led to the pin fall. Victory. Uh Monty you mentioned earlier about old tag teams. This was copy paste old tag team match, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah, man. It was it was it was literally like you just take out the, the, the crowd reaction and the fact that LOD was in the match and just insert these guys. It was it just felt like the exact same formula. But again, back in the day, like in that time, you stuck with what worked and you know, as long as the you got something from the crowd and you you know, they had a system specifically at this time and not even just in 92, but just like it, WWF historically had a system and uh you know, they didn't really break from that mold often. And I think you got a chance to see that here, even in the tag match, even though it was decent stuff from the champs, man, I like the big man action. You know, it's kind uh, of, it's kind of funny to think about it. You know, when I think about earthquake or, you know, typhoon or whatever, I, just think about characters that didn't really work. But you know what? Like you said, when you watch him here and you hear how the crowd was so excited, you're like, well, you know what? It, was muscles. it had to be it had something going on. <laughs> Even if he's looking back, it seems ridiculous. Uh, and the Beverly's were always solid. I used to love when they used to fight jobbers and just spike spike these <laughs> dudes' head or uh, whatever finish. They had nice moves. The Beverly's was a solid team, man. I think uh, they get lost in the shuffle because, again, this was not really a popular period of WWF. But I used to enjoy uh, watching clips of the Beverly's. So this wasn't bad, but uh, like you said, it was just copy paste old school tag team wrestling, man. <laughs>
0: Well, I tell you what as well. Interesting is that Earthquake was the first kind of wrestler I ever met. He was doing the British circuit in like the early two thousands. Man, don't get me wrong; he was past it, but there's a Polaroid somewhere that I forced my dad to pay ten pound to take with him somewhere. There, there is somewhere. Uh, once he left the W.F., he kind of struggled not to get sued. Because he became like the avalanche, and it was kind of too close to earthquake. Yeah. Then the shark, and then, <laughs> <laughs> then just kind of gave up. On yeah. it. he finally came back to WF in ninety eight as Golga from the Oddities, uh, which is something we might have to look at uh. at some point. Typhoon Tugboat isn't famous or infamous as it was as a shockmaster. There's going to be another pod <laughs> about master. that one. Beau Brev- Beverly is the father of Von Fucking Wagner yes Wagner no, it's from Wagner's dad Monty Hey, he's
3: a man
1: wow I had no idea I did I had... yeah I did not yeah. know that at
3: all In second generation <laughs> So, yeah, yeah.
1: Amazing, well, I knew right? that. I knew Von was second gen but to to be honest I never really took notice of his dad's name because it didn't I didn't recognize it so if it, if it
0: was again Beverly, I didn't really yeah put, it's not really... Yeah
1: I didn't put two and two together when watching the
0: match <laughs> Uh yeah uh, so Enos had a mustache Von's dad was clean shaven uh and the, the crowd did love the finish and even crazier guys if you didn't know the genius who we saw in this match, well, he's he's Randy Savage's brother. He's he's Larry Poffo. He is Randy oh, Savage's okay. real brother. Uh, oh,
1: <laughs> oh, I definitely didn't even catch.
0: I did not catch that either. So uh, just a little thing there. The Bushwhackers did an interview with Mean Gene to kill some time. This was the extent of oh, Aussie man. talent, right? This we didn't have Aussie yeah. open. We had the Bushwhackers. No, <laughs> 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 Rhea Ripley. No <laughs> Buddy Murphy, no no Strokes, no. mate. We've just got the bushwhackers. <laughs> yeah, the Bushwackers. Bushwackers. Just go um, We get Lord Alfred Hayes. He was outside the All Warriors dressing room, thinking Mr. Perfect was in there. He op- he said, "I am now going to go against every fibre in my being by <laughs> opening this door." And then, as he sees an arm, and he goes, "I just know someone was very rude there." Um. <laughs> do we want some more info on Lord Alfred? Of course we do. Former wrestler, became a manager in the 1970s after the WWF. He was used as a backstage reporter and victim of several slap t- slapsticks on primetime wrestling. He is known for having spoken the phrase, promotional consideration, pay for... Pay for And also... Anybody in the, in the early years got Colosseum home video releases? Lord Alfred was doing the voiceovers. There's no doubt about it. Um, retired in 1995. Also in French. We'll move on. Crush versus Repo Man. My God, I forgot about that. Oh my Man. God! <laughs> <What's that laughs> I can't. How would you explain Repo Man to anybody? It's like, is it? Uh. Nice. I think
1: I think people need to, I, yeah. I think people need to actually just go and look Repo Man up themselves. I really do because I've had Repo Man explained to me a few times, and I really could not grasp who or what kind of wrestler this guy <laughs> is. And I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm just not gonna lie. I'm still kind of shocked about
2: this wrestler. <laughs> just, yeah, I just I don't just, have, much I, have much else to just, say. Yeah.
1: Just go and see it for yourself, because I think that's the best way that you're going to find out who Repo Man is. I don't think there's any person that really could do it justice.
3: <laughs> well, Repo... No, shit, was... IRS is very accurate.
1: Yeah, did that's you know, I-R-S, IRS is very
0: accurate. <laughs> he, he... Oh, my goodness. We're going to get on to him in a minute. As for the match, he attacked early and crashed back with a greater press slam. He went to the top right with a knee attack, but Repo moved. Repo went for the cover, but Crush did, did the power kick out. Repo up top. He jumped off and Crush it a power slam and then applied his cranium-crushing finishing move for the submission win. Uh, weirdly enough, both these guys, Monty, you mentioned Demolition earlier. Both of yeah. Both were in Demolition, The Repo Man <laughs> oh was using God. the Smash. So the guy who was Smash, strong, right? alongside yeah. Axe in Demolition is a Repo Man. Oh. Uh, Crush... Get this. Not only would he join the Nation of Domination, the Disciples yes. of Apocalypse, but uh-huh. also the New World Order. But yep. my favourite Chronic, thing, right? Yes, man. Real name, Brian there Adams. He teamed with Brian Clark, as to lose to the Brothers of Destruction... Uh, Unforgiven 2001 in one of the worst pay per view matches of all time. I mean, guys, yes, the bad. <laughs> they, they got fu- they got sent to developmental after that match. That's how bad it was.
3: <laughs> oh, again, that's the first time Undertaker broke character. And just, just he was pissed. He was so bad at the at the end of that match, like he knew it was horrible. Uh, like I've never seen Undertaker break character. They, that's how bad it was. They made Undertaker break character. <laughs>
1: Damn. Like, now, nah, you know you done fucked up when that happens. <laughs>
0: better, the thing is, it's like, Crush oh faced goodness. Randy Savage that at WrestleMania a- 10. But I think Crush, he looked quite cool. But it's just shit. You know what I mean? Like,
3: yeah, I mean, like, just shit.
1: Yeah, it's To The Undertaker, not even Vince McMahon. I'd have been like, excuse me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Shit finish. Shit name. Just, like... <laughs> Like, that's just, you, 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 oh, my goodness. I I almost feel bad for him looking at this iteration of Chris, honestly. Because I watched a lot of WCW, so I watched, I knew what chronic was coming into WWE at the time. So, like, it was hilarious to see just how, how fast they got cast aside as nobody. Because they were big shit. They were supposed to be tough guys in WCW, you know, wiping out people in five minutes for the most part, jobbers for the most part. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very, very interesting
0: career, Brian (laughs) Adams. Very, very. Um, But we'll move on. There was videos leading up to the Savage versus Warrior match with Savage attacking Flair and Perfect after a promo while Warrior saved Savage. It was furthered by more promos between the four men. Also a tag match with Warrior and Savage against the Nasty Boys led to a lot more troubles uh, with Flair and Perfect attacking Warrior and the Nasty Boys attacking Savage with chairs as well. What confused me? was they uh, were calling it the main event, and I'm thinking, shit, what, have, what happened to the Bulldog? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's now your time for the main event. I go, hang on. No, we haven't seen it. Uh. I that. <laughs> but, yeah, the WWE Championship, match of man Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior made his entry to a thunderous ovation. Uh, the attire was different from what he wore in previous years. He had on a singlet. Randy Savage came oh, up huge... Right, so we didn't like that. You didn't like his singlet.
3: I hated Warrior singlets. <laughs> Mostly because I was like, what the hell are you covering up, Warrior? <laughs> like, like, seriously. Like, you're jacked to, to shreds. Like, I, it, but, And then another thing, his singlets were flesh colored. There was one that was even worse than this <laughs> one that just matched <laughs> his, his tan. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't even it, tell you got anything on, Warrior. I
0: uh,
3: so yeah. agree with that. Monty, like <laughs> it
1: was flesh colored, and my sister actually made a comment saying, "Is it just me, or does the Ultimate Warrior look like he's cosplaying as one of the uh the the armored Titan from Attack on Titan?" Now that's
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I, I see exactly he, what you mean. Yeah, also, he he inspired, he inspired Giant Gonzalez, or was inspired by yeah, Giant, Giant did, did he lend it? To definitely you it like- it. Yeah, like- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness.
1: But yeah, that's all I could see then after that was just looking up and seeing this like Titan, you know, sort of that <laughs> introduced into anime in like for another 25 plus years. And yet yeah, here he is, like
0: dressed like one. All right. We, we know about what. I mean, Gina, <laughs> Gina, how iconic did Macho Man Maddie Savage look? You know, I mean, because, I mean, what a legend.
1: I mean, definitely. I've never actually seen, like, I know Randy Savage. I've seen some of his best moments and clips on YouTube, but I've never actually sat down and watched a match of his like fully through so when i did see this come through again yes i was the moaning little sister to my twin like oh do we have to watch this can we just watch like a cliff notes catch-up version and when i saw randy savage come out i just thought no actually i'm so interested in this i'm I'm really excited to like watch a match with him in Mm. so yeah he definitely had star power and the crowd just loved him they were so loud
0: they 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 lost their fucking minds, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. One, like, from, <laughs> they really the, did. From, from the first <laughs> Ultimate way to the ending, they were emotionally invested in this one with all the little blue foam fingers laying around everywhere. Um we see Savage wanting a handshake and Warwick shook it and then some aggressive shoving. I do love some aggressive shoving. The fans, of course, were cheering for both guys. Savage was selling the back injury really well, which led to Warrior focusing it with forearms. Suplex got a two count for Warrior. Uh, Savage was up against the ropes. Warrior charged. Savage ducked. Warrior went crashing over the top. Warrior went up top and he connected with a double axe handle smash, which, believe it or not, was a signature spot <laughs> this time. Yes. That's How dangerous big is this move. move?
3: Yeah, this is. <laughs> <laughs> He used to do it every man. He used to he do it from. The, it didn't, didn't matter if it was in the ring when you're standing on the outside of the ring. Like Macho Man used to throw that axe handle repeatedly. I mean, I, like
1: I don't know how many how how he didn't get you know so many injuries out you know from using that because it looked devastating.
3: It's very funny you mentioned that because later in his career, like I remember, he won the WCW title. I think. And even though that at that time he got pushed off the cell, but like he had so he ended up having so many ACL and knee problems that that's what co- cost him his mobility later on in WCW because and you can imagine that he those knee problems came from throwing these double ax handles for years off the top yeah, rope. So, yeah, I mean,
1: you've got to kind of like think that is it was more self-inflicted then. You kind of feel less sorry for the person when you just know that they're just kind of doing that consistently when probably they should have uh, maybe turned it down after after using it after so many years.
3: <laughs> and if you know I, anything about Macho Man, he never toned it
0: down.
2: <laughs> I, never, <laughs> I can tell. I can tell.
0: He, was, he was just savage again when we speak about it, but he just brought so much intensity. I don't know if it's realness But I believe everything he was doing,
3: 100%. Everything. Right, right, exactly.
0: Uh, Well, we see Savage sent Warrior into the ring post and the duo of Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair, in his robe, made their way down to the ring. Savage found the (laughs) rope, so Perfect tripped him. Vince lost his shit. He started yelling about Warrior selling out to Mr. Perfect uh, with Savage... Yelling at the hills on the floor. So Warrior took advantage by slamming Savage towards the turnbuckle. Savage grazed referee Earl Hebner. Uh, Warrior with body slam up top, hitting a double axe himself. Slapping the mat three times <laughs> to say that was the job done. Ref went <laughs> over to count. Savage can we, just, uh,
1: can, can we just acknowledge the fact that uh, the referee, Earl Hebner, first of all, I've never seen him look so young. It was actually <laughs> hilarious when I saw him. But... The man took a beating in this match. I swear down, every two seconds I was looking up and he was getting knocked out the ring, going here, there and everywhere. I'm surprised that man could walk.
0: We might have to give him the Johnny Gagano award. You know, maybe. maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Driving Warrior with Savage checking on the referee while perfect held-up warrior for Flair, who who now is using brass knuckles. And this is, again, really clever that I liked. Savage didn't see any of it. So, as he brought the ref back in, he's kind of like looking around uh, and thinking right. this is job done. Body slammed by Savage. He went up I top. I did. Go on, go on.
1: No, I wondered this because I was really confused for for a long time during this match. Again, having not seen any of the build up beforehand of, of what had been going down and taking place. They're just kind of trying to piece together things um, throughout this uh, pay per view. But I, I wasn't too sure whether or not Savage knew they were out there to sort of help him win or not, you know? It was confusing as to whether or not he he had organised this or agreed.
0: Yeah, well, like I said, with this, uh, Savage was kind of blood feud with Flair at the time. They had a match at the, that year's WrestleMania mm. where Flair had, you know, said to Savage... Uh, he's going to show a picture of Liz, you know, exposed because they were having an affair. Savage lost his shit and beat Flair for the title. Um, mm-hmm. So, this kind of, as the kind of Hulk Hogan-esque, you yeah. know, left. Step from... Yeah. This, this was kind of set up to Warrior to turn heel. And I was going to say it, but I mentioned it now. This is all Warrior's fault because Warrior was meant to turn heel. Right. Um, with he involvement, but he didn't want to. So they had to do this. So again, yeah.
3: it didn't make any yeah. sense in the end. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's that's why this match ended up being so confusing. It's, the, it's also oh, the reason why he just went against. So he just against... over
1: this. Mm. Right, right. Because yeah. yeah, that's again. I was severely confused on who was meant to be heel and whether Warrior was heel or face during this match. Yeah. I. I
3: honestly couldn't work it out. And Warrior so... was supposed to sell out, and he just, he chose not to. He said, he said. I'm
2: going
0: to do it. Back uh, <laughs>
1: by Vince is 100%, like, <laughs> real.
0: <laughs> well, we see the elbow drop with Hebner slowly getting over the count. I don't think there's any referee in history who's done a better slow count than old Hebner. Uh, One, two, yeah. no. Warrior kicked out. Warrior ended his no cell routine, and Savage tried to keep him down. Mm-hmm. Warrior ran the ropes. Perfect <laughs> tried to trip. Referee looked at him. Flair hit Warrior in the back with a chair shot, which wasn't seen again by Savage. It led, though, to Savage looking at Flair and wondering what he did. He oh, went up... Sp- right. ...while the ref was dealing with Perfect on the floor. Savage turned to Flair and jumped towards him. But Flair... <laughs> <laughs> with the old chair, he t- might not look great, but you know I could see what they were trying to do. Yeah, the ref Savage out the ring to give Warrior a count out, but this wasn't over because Flair attacked Savage outside the ring with a figure four leg lock, whilst Perfect stomped away. Warrior just kind of collapsed the other side of the ring, just kind of not know what was going on. I suppose Flair went for a chair attack, but Warrior managed to get his spot in time. And take the chair away. Uh, and Savage, my God, anybody that says Savage wasn't a kind of great seller. Like I actually thought he Oh did my just, goodness. You know what I mean? Like he was even yeah. Warrior was like, please don't let me support your weight. Like I'm
3: knackered. Like, I don't have to walk this long entrance way back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Savage one of the greatest sellers of all time. If it's one thing I'll say He did, besides being, like you said, one of the most intense and one of the most entertaining and meticulous because he put together most of his matches beforehand and he had it all planned out. Nobody sold like Macho Man. man. Like, I'm a big Macho Man fan. I was a Macho Man guy, while a lot of other people love Hogan. Give me a Macho Man match any day. I'll take Macho all day over Hogan. I know this is not what we're talking about. But anyway, the point I'm making is that's what he was about. Yeah.
0: As in ring, like you said, the kind of like we talked about earlier, the intensity and the selling of it, uh, with Warrior oh, yes. getting in the ring, being told that it was double count now Savage was still champion. Uh, he lifts you know, his hand in celebration and then walked to the back and calling them two of the greatest superstars of all time. Uh, we talk about the match first. I mean, Jaxie, like we said, um, this match is surprising because it shouldn't be this good but Macho had a way of getting yeah. good matches out of Warrior. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> I mean, the the chemistry between the two were, were great, you know. Um, you can't deny that they didn't work well together. Uh, there was, like, a certain sort of finesse that made you just kind of, your eyes drawn to watching them. Like, they, they both kept countering one another in the perfect moments. Um you know, it it doesn't come with just you know great timing and, and ring awareness. It it comes from you know a, a certain level of trust within your partner as well. And you have to admit that, you know, the the moves the moves were all very well executed consistently throughout the match, and it left you really wondering um who is going to be the, the the overall winner, the overall outcome. Obviously, as if you were watching it at the time, you know, um, especially for someone like me who didn't actually know the outcomes of each of these matches. For me, I, I really couldn't tell who was going to actually be the winner or the out, uh, how the outcome was going to be. Um, seeing the interference from Ric Flair just really does get you sort of invested to want to continue watching on, you know, sort of WWF 1992, just to kind of see uh, how things escalated Um because You've got to admit, SummerSlam 1992 had a flair for the dramatics. Uh, they included every dramatic, dramatic possible um, throughout this whole pay per view. So um, but, it was entertaining but, to actually uh, be watching.
0: What well, I was going to say as well, as we spoke about, imagine the reaction from the crowd if Warrior had turned heel at this point and cost that. You know, I, that would have been one right. of the moments.
1: Again, you guys were saying about how, um, you know, there was a, a lot of, like, controversy surrounding uh, the the uh, pay-per-view uh, just with the company in itself. But imagine sort of, like, the good content you would have generated from, like, a heel turn like that, mm. you know, especially with how hot the crowd were already uh, throughout this whole match. So um, just imagine if. That's all you can do, really. Imagine
0: yeah. if. I mean, the crowd loved and were invested in every second. But, Gina, this was your first proper macho match. Uh, and he's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't doubt that he wouldn't be good in the match. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I think, like, for me, again, I was just trying to still be in an, in the mindset of 1992 rather than present-day wrestling. So, for me, I was still having a bit of a, a juggle and a struggle with that but um i still enjoyed the match i think macho was just great yeah
0: uh, and also if you want to see another great warrior versus macho match wrestlemania 7 uh, the previous year they had stolen show yes um, there you go chemistry. so you know go watch that with a clean finish can you
1: send a message on our group later and remind me to watch that please <laughs> yeah. thank you
3: it's probably warrior's more. best match yeah it is yeah, that well, one. yeah i would yeah wrestlemania 7 might be warrior's best match and um, uh, again, okay, like we're... you said, I don't know how man
0: did it, but he <laughs> always got the best out for you, man. Uh, we mm-hmm. see Flair well, and I'm... I'm... <laughs>
1: see, you have to remind us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, well, we see Flair and Perfect interviewed by Mean Gene. I love Flair and Mean Gene together. It's a combination I've always been a fan of. Uh, Perfect said that this was not Plan A; it was Plan B. Flair complained about how he should be the one to get a title shot. He said that the two most perfect men alive were perfect in himself. Flair ended it by telling Savage that the title is coming back to me. And Flair did end up getting the title. Yeah, no. The long-term story was going to be Savage and Warrior versus Flair and newcomer Razor Ramon at the Survivor Series. But it ended up not happening because Warrior quit the company. (laughs) Yep, Warrior left. (laughs) which led to perfect turning face, becoming Savage's partner, and perfect feud with Flair and sent him packing back to WCW. So, Warrior pretty much fucked up most of their plans for
3: night two, Monty, it seems. <laughs> it's, you know, especially... Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing to think how much didn't go as planned, <laughs> right there. Like, it's it's just amazing. One guy just screwed up months of playing. But that's, again, I think that, and that kind of, I'm not saying I support The kind of last-minute booking events started to do in later years, but that is some of the pitfalls of having your ideas planned out months ahead of time. Is when you're dealing with situations like that, and that wasn't this. Was this the contract dispute thing? Like he wanted more money. Didn't he hold up Vince too? Like not not like nails. I'm pretty sure that was the the previous
0: or that later. That was Summerslam, I think, before, like ninety-one or something like that. And so, I think so, asked, so this was, a those,
3: this was one of those. That's yeah. one of those chances after that one. Okay, the, got. Previous year, he'd come back at WrestleMania
0: <laughs> eight, and people said it was a different Warrior because he like dyed his hair. And then, there yeah. was like, oh no, wait, no, that is Warrior. He left at the end of night two. Wouldn't be back, well, unless we talk about the Renegade, but we won't. Right, uh, in, we're not talking in, about that. Ninety-six
3: <laughs> when he squashed uh, Hunter. So. Connor, yeah, then he left again, and then you go to WCW and get embarrassed with Hogan. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a lot. You can can go forever with Warriors. Oh,
1: damn. (laughs) Yeah,
3: Warrior had it rough. The (laughs) the 90s was a rough decade on Ultimate Warrior. The 80s were pretty great. The 90s, you know, (laughs) it started to get kind of tough with Warrior. But, yeah, it's, (laughs) it's crazy to think how he could ruin that whole year's plans. Uh just by asking out or leaving the contract and just you ruin everything and now they got a audible. But it's amazing that was they he... ended up getting what they got out of it. Uh, was he known to be difficult to work with then? Warrior? Oh oh yeah, isn't a to he was notorious <laughs> for being <laughs> difficult. You know, uh it's it was it's to this point. When he came back and went to the Hall of Fame, you know, before he passed and all of that. It. They're not lying when they say no one ever thought that was gonna, that day was gonna happen. That's how bad it was. Like it was a lot of legit bad blood between Warrior and the company. So it's crazy that Dana Warrior, his wife, has had such an amazing relationship with WWE post death. It's crazy when you think about she that She was probably apologizing she... a lot on his behalf.
1: <laughs> My, yeah, I'm
3: so sorry for how difficult my man was. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about how far they came now before he passed. But yeah, man, he 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 had a reputation for being pretty difficult. Warrior <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> yeah, yeah, had a self destruct. Well, I mean, you... as well. Oh yeah. yeah, that DVD. They they literally made a DVD.
1: Oh, there's that... a whole DVD on it.
3: <laughs> Where well, they just buried, they buried Warrior the entire time. <laughs> it was like oh, he wasn't that good of a wrestler anyway. He couldn't go longer than five minutes. He he was this and that. He was a liar. He he just they, they, just, they <laughs> assassinated was, his character. Well, there's
1: a few guys who have that like difficulty sort of put behind them, don't they? Now, like oh, I man. a few other wrestlers that are known for being really difficult, and obviously Brock Lesnar <laughs> in the beginning didn't really want to practice matches. Uh, I mean we just
3: go on this car. Just... Like we got Sean. We got
1: Sean on the car with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true as well, Sean. <laughs> also like include like uh, Punk in that aspect, because Punk didn't want yeah. to either. Punk will get <laughs> yeah.
3: just yeah, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> like, Warrior walks so those guys can run. Yeah, <laughs>
0: he was the list. I mean, you you could argue there's others, but like Warrior was yeah, he he was the one that was just he was
2: awful. The star. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well Vince announced the attendance at eighty thousand three hundred and fifty five and then next match the Undertaker with Paul Bearer versus Kamala, Harvey Whipperman and Kim Chi. Uh Kamala made his entrance after being introduced Ooh. by his manager. The Undertaker ended on a hearse with Paul Bearer. I think one of the coolest entities. Nice. I mean I mean Gina, what are your thoughts on Undertaker's entrance here? Because this was something different. You know, this is kind of an iconic entrance that always sticks with me.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. The entrance was fun to watch, although at first, like, I didn't see him back there. So I was like, are you kidding me? He's in the actual coffin, travelling down. (laughs) Like, I thought he actually was going to be in the coffin and Paul Bearer (laughs) was going to pull him out of the bag and then he was going to sit up and get out. Um, so, yeah, once he fully came into frame, when I saw he was just stood at the back of the hearse, so I was like, okay, okay, fine, phew. But uh, it was pretty cool, but they still drove that car at one mile an hour. So I was like, this is still going to be a 20
2: minute <laughs> to be trip.
0: Fair, trip. Though, if they just sped the hearse down, see the thing like LOD, it would look would weird.
2: Be- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Imagine just seeing like the Undertaker's hair just whisking in the wind, you know?
3: <laughs> poor bearer chasing his hat. By the Isn't way, James, nice? Kim Chi, Brooklyn Brawler, and Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Got one oh. thing. Uh... <laughs> 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 oh, man. Poor Laurinaitis or whatever. I forgot his legit name. Poor, poor guy. Has uh, the,
0: yeah, it's, it's has not.
3: The... It's, it's
0: not... <laughs> like we said, he didn't. Steve something, isn't it? Yeah, like... Um, yeah, Steve something. Lombardi, Lombardi. Lombardi. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Lombardi um, or
3: something,
0: I think. We apologise, John Lionitis or Ace. Or sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Ace.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah oh, a, the, Animal. I'm sorry, Animal.
0: <laughs> pretty, pretty kind of awful gimmick, you know, when it comes to kimchi. Yeah. And Harvey <laughs> Whippenham. I just never got it, but... The untaker yeah. was on fire early with a top rope walk into the punch that later became known as old school. At the time... What it was it, it, just, what just, it school.
3: just school? <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't nick yeah. my jokes. <laughs> that's,
0: <laughs> that's what it was at the time. Just school. Taker went for it again, but Wolfman went on the apron to shake the ropes and knock him down. Kamala attacked outside the ring by sending Taker into the still steps. Back in, Kamala did his chops Yante came back with slam. He would get a lot better at that in late years. <laughs> Taker hit the leaping clothesline, but Kim Chi went into the ring and hit Untaker in the ribs. So the ref called for the disqualification qualification at three minutes. So Gina, Untaker's entrance was probably longer than the match in itself. But this wasn't it because Kamala yep. <laughs> continued the attack with a splash in the corner. Uh, Kamala went for the middle rope and connected with a splash there. It was just terrible looking. Heenan said, We've seen the end of the Undertaker. Not exactly. Only another like 28 years, but we would. Uh, Kamala (laughs) left the ring. The Undertaker sat up. Crowd loved it. Uh, And uh, the other thing I love is like Paul Bearer putting the urn in front of the Undertaker as well. Of just like, Oh, look at this. (laughs) You know, Um, (laughs) just really really good stuff. (laughs) The reason they did the DQ and the post match attack is to set up Survivor Series 1992, which was called a coffin match at the time, which is actually the first wrestling match I ever watched. I think my dad must have read about SummerSlam because we watched Survivor Series '92. I mean, I was five. This is one of my first memories. So, you know, with Kamala, it's always something going, Kamala, you will rest in peace, you know. As for Kamala... yeah. Believe it or not, he was a Jerry Laura creation back in the Memphis temperature. Yes. in nineteen eighty. He's from like Mississippi
3: or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's literally just the king. Sawyer My was poor like, brother. You're Ugandan <laughs> now. That's what you are. You know, like.
3: Oh God. <laughs> to, to think about poor how brother.
0: he got that, but um, I mean, Jack, see, the Undertaker did get a lot better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but do you think it was a case of the opponents as opposed to anything else? You know. Because like I said, he was young and athletic at this point.
1: I mean, definitely. I I think that there, uh, that that there was still a lot of uh, sort of tweening that the Undertaker would do over the next few sort of years before, like he became that sort of iconic that everyone was screaming for, but I mean, he still had the pop back then, too, you know? Um, It's just a shame, because I feel like matches like these, like where it's only three minutes long, they really weren't great matches for Undertaker back then to really showcase what he could do, so it was sort of like, throw together the big moves, and then throw in the DQ. Um, As you say, it was to set up for for Survivor Series. Uh, That was sort of like the the next upcoming pay-per-view, right? Uh, At the time, so... Uh, it it kind of made sense to make it a DQ like that. But uh, again, I said uh, this pay-per-view was just full of the dramatics uh, throughout all of these matches. There was always some sort of drama going on. I think that. uh... Yeah, I did feel a bit confused with the DQ um, ending because, again, for me, I I hadn't seen the build-up to it, let alone, you know, the aftermath, because I'm just watching this this. Show randomly, but it was just confusing to me on why they did such a short match on Summerslam for the Undertaker as well. Again, with that explanation, that makes a whole lot more sense. But at the time when I was watching it today, I was so confused to myself on why why that ending came about.
0: Yeah, they did with the Undertaker. The problem is obviously they did it with the Gonzales the following year as well. Whereas like the DQ match at Summerslam at, at WrestleMania to get to Summerslam. So it's just trying to extend the feud. But again, if you're just thinking, well, that was a bit of a waste, you know. But Jeannie, uh, you must be glad because we're on the main event already. So it couldn't have been that bad, you know.
1: <laughs> no, of course. Again, when I, again, originally when my sister said we're watching SummerSlam from 92, here's me thinking that it's going to be similar to today's shows where they're like five, six hours long. Um, full of matches and loads of replays and ads. But back then, that's not what it was like. So, again, it, it took my sister some convincing to get me to watch it. But after I had watched the whole show, I was quite grateful that I listened to
0: her. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we are there now. We, we are moments away from Bulldog versus Brett. But we do get David Boy smith interviewed by Sean Mooney. He said, I mean, he was reading a script, but did it well. You know, I think with Bulldog, he said he fought hard for two years to become the number one contender for the Intercontinental title. He steps in the ring as if he doesn't know him, but at the end of it, he hopes that the family can unite. Bulldog said performing in front of 80,000 people is a dream, and his other dream is that he'll be IC champion. Bret Hart, the Intercontinental champion, said he was one that introduced Bulldog to his sister. Awkward! And that Bret helped him more than anybody in WWE. Hart said Bulldog is one responsible for family tension because he's one that wanted a shot of the gold. Brett ended it saying he's going to win. Since it was fake, it was necessary to have a bit of a story. Each guy wanted to prove who the better man was. There were some dudes who played the bagpipes, of course joined by Rowdy Roddy Piper. If this was nowadays, Drew McIntyre would join him, I suppose. Um, I mean, Monty, was Piper really playing the bagpipes? (laughs) I mean, he can. I know he can, <laughs> but I don't know if he was actually
3: doing it. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he was probably actually doing it here. But I mean, hey, you know, I think at the very beginning,
1: at the very beginning, it looked like he was. But yeah, I'm not too sure how quickly someone took over. You know?
3: Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I
0: don't how, think he left. He can going. we just,
1: <laughs> just give a little bit of a shout out because uh, what's uh, what, what's British bulldog's wife's name?
0: Oh, Diana Hart Smith. Da- Diana?
1: Yeah. And she looks no, that was his sister, wasn't
0: it? That's no, 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 no Brett. Yeah.
1: Right, but I'm sorry, she looks like Princess Diana as well. And like she had sort of like the iconic sort of haircut and you know, oh, Diana wow. within 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 this sort of um time period as well, yeah. you know, just looked so similar to her. Shame. Um Yeah, she definitely had Diana vibes. She yeah, and her considering
0: she... Fuck like a smack to arse, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, she was...
1: Her face is miserable. I can't my sister. What's wrong with her?
2: Uh, guys, no, seriously,
1: what's wrong with her? <laughs> heart. Do you guys have any heart? Monty, please, please say you agree with me on this. She looked like that because her brother and her husband... Oh,
3: oh yeah, she did look like Owen. You're right. She does. She did kind of look like Owen. If I was pissed no, I was just off. Like, I will just, like, like, <laughs> just like, yeah, like when Owen's angry. Okay, no, no, I'm just, that's not, that's not nice. You're right. That's not nice. I'm sure she was a, uh, you know, wonderful lady, wonderful it, lady. It didn't help with
0: Sean Mooney, you know, asking her, what's this family tension? Who's going to win the match? Tell me who's going to win the match. Calm down, Sean. Yeah. Just want to answer it. Relax. <laughs> like, yeah." <laughs> Like these are not restless, so Yeah. She's just said she's supporting them both and she's like fucking cop out. Do you know what <laughs> That's what you want to say? <laughs> so main event, Incono Championship, Bret Hart, British Bulldog. David Boy Smith entered first to a massive ovation. Now I mean, Jaxie, we we were at the Clash, uh, obviously, money in the bank recently, but I don't think there's been an ovation for a wrestler in in God knows how long with British Bulldog. You know, you talk about seeing Punk in Chicago, but Bulldog at Wembley at that time, everybody was on their feet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I... I think I remember saying at this point, Whoa, this sounds like it could have actually been bigger than the pop that Undertaker got there. Um it I, I was not expecting that sort of pop. Um obviously putting together the fact that, you know, they are at Wembley, of course it makes sense. But uh yeah, it was just kind of like thrilling to hear that
0: for for the British Bulldog. Right. Uh, and Lennox Lewis. How fucking young did Lennox Lewis look? I mean look good. Well,
1: Yeah, he actually did it. Well, before everything else, yeah.
0: (laughs) But, like, you know, him coming (laughs) out. Oh, God. (laughs) We see, Brett got a nice ovation as well. I mean, it wasn't as loud as Bulldog, but, I mean, Brett was a rising star and was loved in Europe, so... Again, yeah. it would, it, nowadays it'd be like just fuck you, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, right? <Yeah.
3: laughs> I imagine if this was an American or something, who was doing like the patriotic, yeah? Give me, I was like, oh, he would have been. They would have been throwing shit at <laughs> oh,
0: him. I don't even think there was any like UK, UK chance. there's nothing. We should have sang the national no. no. anthem. You know what I mean? Like I did at start the show. <laughs> we, we should do something like that. You know.
2: What? I, I, I,
1: they didn't. I'm happy they didn't. Especially when we were actually talking about the fact that, you know, at more modern uh, shows we've recently reviewed that have been at the UK, it's been all fucking <laughs> copped out songs, for you know, <laughs> Bailey and stuff. We don't. We didn't need that there, and I didn't miss it. It was. It was fine as it was.
0: Hey, hey, bulldog. Ooh. <laughs> I know the song didn't come out. Oh my time, gosh. But... <laughs>
1: Really don't think that you would have ever had anyone saying <laughs> that
0: to the Bulldog. <laughs> yes. Well, into the match and Bulldog used his power early with his shoulder tackle to knock Brett out of the ring. When he got back in, Brett got a couple of near falls. Bret slept Brett slept on a headlock, and you could tell he was kind of talking to him, but he couldn't hear it. In his book, Brett mentioned Bulldog was <laughs> well, thank you. and forgot most of the spots. Um you had to kind of guide the, rest of the way, Monty. I don't like talking about this, right? Because I want to remember this okay. match as iconic between these two wrestlers, not the fact that uh, right. Bulldog was off his face on crap. So why don't you just oh, tell us a oh little
3: story? <laughs> just how yeah, bad man, Brit, that you. That's a great point. Like, honestly. Everything about this match that makes Bulldog look like a hero and all of that, I'm sorry. Like Brett ruined it <laughs> completely. Like cause the night before, apparently Bulldog was with, Nye, uh, with Jim Nighthawk, and he said, and they were, he was just coming down from a crack high. He forgot every spot that they rehearsed before the match, so Brent not only had to help him with his win oh,
2: <laughs>
3: during this match, not only did he have to help him keep his win because he blew up five minutes into the match, he was tired, he had to help remind him what spot and call it in the ring, basically. So if you let Brent, if you go off what Brent said in his book, Brent pulled off probably the greatest, yeah, he, he like, with mechanical yeah. wrestlers that I've ever, yes, I don't know how he did it. Because, again, Bulldog was just not there. He was tired, didn't remember a damn thing, and they somehow ended up with this masterpiece. <laughs> so, yeah, I love yeah, that story. I'm sorry that you hate it, Jay. Yeah, but I, I love- don't.
0: Because, again, it's like, yeah, it's like, do you know what? Bit of crack with the title of the day. Just, it seems that I just I don't like it. Um, yeah, He did a spot where oh, Brett God. did a slung shot over the top. Lends up putting Bulldog down on a nasty landing. Hart drove Bulldog into the ring post and rolled him back in the ring. He picked Bulldog up by the hair and yanked him down, which led to Boos. They did a bull, uh, they did a spot where Bulldog got a grid of press slam, and Hart was sent groin first into the middle turnbuckle. Now, again, I'm not saying that, you know, Brett led through, the, you know, Bulldog through the whole match and all this guys, but you, Brett was on fire at this point. You know, you could see everything he was doing. Uh, getting up quick for the feeding into the bulldog for the free clotheslines for two count and the press slam delayed suplex by bulldog which was a signature spot and a big ovation. The I don't think anybody else took an Irish whip into the corner. Uh, stern and first as good <laughs> as Brett did. I, I, I don't think, like, think really, there is. Yeah. yeah, like like he was shot out of a cannon. <laughs> he hit the running power slam which. was and Brett kicked out. So you you wonder why everybody was shocked. Because no one kicked out of finishers in 92. It just right. it wasn't a thing. 92 mainly weekly shows with a star wrestler versus a jobber. Finisher was job done. So for this to happen, uh, fans were shocked. And so was Bulldog. Uh, we see a bridging German suplex for Hart. Bulldog went up top and hit a superplex. The crowd was going crazy for all this. They just built and built and built. Uh, they did a double clothesline spot and then Brett wrapped Bulldog up and a sharpshooter was on their backs. Now, if the story is true, Brett came up with this at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning uh, and asked his oh, wife nice. if he could apply this sharpshooter to her. That is true <laughs> love. <right>? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Three in, in the, the morning, <laughs> babe, the idea, you just quickly just,
1: uh, oh. wake up and let me just move on you real quick. Oh, my
0: God.
2: He's
1: He's a uh, legend.
0: He's it's brilliant. A, it's like, can I put the sharpshooter in you go, what the fuck is that? Like, what do you call that? That's interesting. Uh, with the sharpshooter on, the crowd was going nuts because once it was in, it was usually job done, but Bulldog got to the ropes. Uh, I think it was this... I think about five minutes earlier, I just kind of got lost in the match. You know, when you're kind of making notes and you maybe you got other things. And this match just kind of sucked me in. And I knew it was coming anyway with Brett whipping him to the ropes. Suns flip. Bulldog dropped to his knees. Hooked the arms. leaned forward for the one, two, three. in what was one of the loudest ovations in WWE history. Vince didn't even call anything. He let the pitcher tell the story. 25 minutes and 40 seconds. Your new Intercontinental Champion Davey Boy Smith. Uh, Bulldog post-match was handed the title. Hart was frustrated about the loss, so he teased leaving. But Bulldog wanted to shake. Uh, The cheering got better when they did. Diana then got in the ring. All three of them hugged. Vincent Mann called it one of the greatest matches of all time. And guess what? He was right. Uh, So Gina, we'll start with you with this main event between Bulldog and Brett. 31 years ago and still as good then as it is today.
1: Definitely agree with you. It was such a good match. Um, definitely the best match on, on the card. Uh, I really enjoyed watching it and it was really interesting. Again, I know I am more familiar with Bret Hart. Um, but it was nice to actually see one of these matches that I wasn't familiar with of his. And same with the Bulldog, really. I, I knew a bit about him. My dad had shown me a lot about him, but aside from, from that, I, I hadn't really, you know, thought much about him. So it definitely kind of, you know, elevated my thoughts on the Bulldog. And I I just was, you know, excited to see more of a Bret Hart match. So it was great. And I really enjoyed it. I think they both did well. Again, I wasn't aware of Bulldog's um, previous (laughs) night's antics. So it kind of does make a little bit of sense for for some spots. Mm -hmm. That's all I'll say.
0: Yeah, but it's what i say. I mean, Jack C. It doesn't get more iconic than that—a British wrestler winning a championship. It'd be being the Intercontinental Title. It didn't the crowd didn't matter? Didn't mind, did they? Uh, I mean, and the reaction there. The,
1: the the caliber of the match that they had—it felt like more than just um, about the Intercontinental Title. This was two brother in laws who really weren't getting along. Um, you Know this, you know, from my point of view as well, this was me watching uh, a wife and a sister sort of having to deal with like uh, this as well. So, this, this to me was like sort of family feuding as well. Um, so, that there was just a lot riding on the match itself, um, and I felt thoroughly invested by it. Um, I thought it was great,
0: yeah. I mean, even Bulldog Brett and Diana at the end kind of brought a tear to my eye. I mean, Monty again. <laughs> I'm biased when it comes to this being a kind of British fan, and this is kind of what was brought up on, you know, as the kind of, like, height of British wrestling, uh, especially the WWF at the time. But this match is a five-star, you know? There's no doubt about it. It doesn't matter if Bulldog was off his face
3: on crack, you know? Like <laughs> No, I mean, that makes it even more of a five-star, man. Like, the fact that they was able to pull that off, and he just, like you said, didn't know what the hell was going on for most of the match. Brett was even pissed at how the handshake went. <laughs> yeah, no, because you know, you know, he said away, Bulldog yeah. was playing to the crowd yeah. too long. Yeah, you know, so he's we paying attention to me, damn it, Davey. I think it's something like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they still executed it perfectly. Like you said, a very iconic moment. It's one of those things it probably, that's probably peak Bulldog, honestly. Like as far as his solo career goes, you know, I know the British Bulldogs were a legendary, but, and, you know, I know he did a lot of stuff later on, but really this is as high as it gets. I didn't I should have used this. But this is how it gets for Bulldog. This is wrestling. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, Brett went on to, you know, chase the WWE title or WWF title after this. And that this, this graduated him to that next level. It's a great sign of just how important the Intercontinental title was too at that time because it meant after you got that, you're on the elevator up to the next level. And Brett was a perfect example of that. He was at the top of his powers. And the, like you said, the story behind the match, honestly, just make it even more legendary. And I, I like you said, it's, it's perfection. And it it, got, it has the reputation that it has for a reason. And honestly, as much as I, now looking back, I, I remember like some, some other stuff from this card that is memorable, like the LOD entrance and all that type of stuff. But this, this, this right here, this is like something that, this is literally a one match. Not not the entire card, but, like, really, like you can think about it and just seek out this one match, and it still hits. Like, that's what I was wondering. It's like, I've, I've seen it years ago, and many stuff, a lot of stuff when I was much younger was perfect. But now that I've watched so much wrestling over the years, I'm, I'm an adult, you get jaded, and you just wonder, like, do these matches still hold up? And there's some matches from even uh, more recent than this that don't hold up. It's just they're not as good as I thought they were. But this one, like you said, especially if you can just, like you said, you get invested in it like, like it's easy to do in this match with the stakes being high. It's funny, like the bloodline have like a family feud going on, but this is even deeper than that because these are people who weren't, it wasn't just the wrestlers in, that was in the family. It was, the, you know, the family at home were being interviewed and talked about it. So it's kind of cool to see how all of that intertwined to make the perfect story and uh, Bulldog overcoming Bret Hart against the odds, you know, even though he was at home. Uh, it, again, I, I can understand why this means so much to you because it, it was one of those lasting images, and I'm all the, I'm all the way across the pond, man. So <laughs> I, I know it, I can understand exactly how special it was, and it deserves all the accolades that it that it's gotten ever since.
0: Yeah, I I, I would again like to say this kind of had a happy ending in a weird way, but uh, unfortunately uh, for Bulldog and himself. He would lose the Intercontinental title a month later yeah to Sean uh, mm-hmm. And so. that would be it. I mean, Bulldog would face Sean in 96 for the WF title. But like you said, Monty, and Brett uh, as well at the end of 96, but wouldn't reach the peak Bulldog that we had at this time. Brett would be WWF champion by the time. Survivor Series uh, came along in 92, beating Ric Flair for that championship. Um, so, again, mm-hmm. it's just weird to think. It's just that one moment, you know, even losing the title a month later doesn't matter because it, that moment is still with us 31 years later. So, again, that's another interesting thing right. to think. Uh, as for MVP, I mean, who's your, Gina, who's your MVP of the night? Because there was a lot to choose from.
1: Um, it was a, It is a lot to choose from, and it's hard to choose an MVP, especially when... I don't know the full backstories to all of all of the matches that did go on, but I will say that I was really excited just watching Randy Savage, so I'm going to go with him. Uh, Jackson, what about you? Um, so I, I, I'm going to kind of like it's not like exactly cheating, I would say here because of like I was going to originally go with uh, David Boy Smith for the win and yeah. picking up the title but after say you, you, you kind of like you know explaining sort of the after Monty shit like...
0: all over him is that
2: <laughs> <Yeah. I'm> like...
1: <laughs> it's not I feel like it needs to go half and half between both Brett and <laughs> and Davey Boy but you know like they both him for sort of overcoming this and becoming the champion for the first time but also Brett
0: for carrying the match you know yeah. so uh, Monty yeah. what about you
3: Brett and Sherry, man, like they left the last, the most lasting impression on me. You know, oh my goodness, I laughed my ass off when Sherry when Sherry was bumping for just for no reason, really, when you think about it. Yeah. And and like you said, Brett being able to do this. Now, again, you're right. Maybe it does tarnishes a little bit, but you can't blame <laughs> really? me. Brett, the one wrote the book. James. Yeah, yeah, Brett no, no, wrote no, the no. book. Fuck Brett. That's what I'm gonna say. I don't care about upset.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, like I said, um, MVP, uh, really, really good picks. I mean, Savage and Sherry stand out for me. Uh, I mean, overall, I mean, this is difficult. I mean, Jaxy, what would you score this out of 10? Because it's weird. It's got a five-star match, but the rest of the card, I don't know. It just feels, I really, really enjoyed this event, but I'm not sure what to score it out of 10.
1: Yeah, it, it's hard because from an uh, entertaining p- point of view, I actually think it was quite entertaining. Like I, I've I've said this a few times, but it, it had a flair for the dramatics in this um, pay-per-view, to say, uh, to say the least. Um, and so I can't deny that I didn't enjoy the pay-per-view, but if we're talking about calibre of matches, we really did sort of only have the one sort of really high calibre match that took place. So, uh, I mean, if we're going out of 10 here... I think I'm being really kind and I'm going to give it like a six and three quarter.
2: Yeah,
0: fair enough. I mean, Monty, what about you? Yeah,
3: it's, just, it's a legendary pay-per-view, you know, it, you know, not only because it's in London and that crowd, but like the legendary last match and, you know, maybe because it's been over 30 years, you know, it's a lot, a lot of it kind of did not age well, we can just be honest with you, a lot of it didn't, but, you know, especially some of the overall decisions. But like you said, it was definitely enjoyable. The opener is legendary. Shawn and Martel, I'll never forget that because that's just, man, it was very funny. Uh, you know, and then the WWF and Intercontinental title matches are literally, like, the show, in my opinion. That's four matches out of the seven, I guess, we got. And then if you if you want to go even far, some people have to sit through uh, <laughs> some other stuff, 11 matches. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's That's tough, why we didn't but, cover him. you know, <laughs> right. It's why I'm glad we ignored that. But it was still a magnificent spectacle, and spectacle, and it holds a special place in uh, a lot of people's heart for good reason. You can at least under I understand why it's special, mm. even if it if even, even if looking at it years away now, it's like ah man, this wasn't really good for the most part. I'm going with seven and three quarters. I actually, like I said, still consider it uh, a fun show. So I didn't I didn't have a problem. I didn't I didn't feel like I wasted my time. But like you said, it's definitely a one match show for the most part.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Gina, what about you? And not only what you thought of the show, because I know you've seen a lot for the first time, but also can AEW put on a show as either good at this or just like Jackie said with the spectacle next month as well.
1: Um, okay, so I think yeah after reflecting i did i laughed so much during that whole michael's match um and in, i enjoyed the randy savage m- match a lot i i don't know why and i know this is really evil to say but i really enjoyed enjoyed the Repo man <laughs> beating um i i'm going to give it a solid 7 i think that's being really nice a solid 7 um for sure, that was it was good and worth watching. And I would recommend other people uh, go back and watch for the enjoyment and the nostalgia. But uh, are AEW gonna put on something of that caliber? I don't know because right now AEW is like 50 50. They either have a really good show or they have a show that makes you question what you just like, what, what just happened on that show that was kind of story wise worthy and not random, you know? So right now, they're either hit and miss. I'm really hoping, and I'm going to be optimistic going to this show, that it is going to be a great show. Will it be on that same calibre?
0: I don't know. They'll have to prove it to me. Yeah. I mean, Jack see, well, I mean, because the thing is, like I said, we'll be there. If we experience a, even, like, half of what happened at Wembley night two, I think we'll be happy with the show, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think... you know. AEW does genuinely tend to get a lot of pressure riding on them to do well um, in certain instances. Uh, You know, there there has been a lot of sort of controversy that are behind other pay per views where they've not gone uh, as well as planned and things like that. So you can only hope for the best, especially when they're coming to your home country. Um, So that is what I'm going to put my faith in is that it will be a a very good show. Whether or not I can actually say, um, it will be as good as uh, sort of the pop that Summer Sun 1992 actually brought. Um, it's, it's hard to tell at this point. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see when we're there. But, you know, being there firsthand and getting a, a chance to actually hear the live crowd, I'm pretty sure we're going to have an accurate uh, description as to whether or not uh, we surpassed this. Yeah, so but... we should kind of keep an eye on our future podcast that we can let you know.
0: Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I'm going to give this an eight, like I said, because of how iconic it is. It sticks with my memories. Uh, and Monty, again, I might be biased, but I still think this is one of the best Summer Slams of all time as well. I know we've had better quality in ring, but like I said, with everything encompassed in it, I think it's still a great event. And I, uh, to be fair, I thought this two and a half hours kind of flown by for me. But I have watched it before, but I really, really enjoyed it.
3: Yeah, I think that I think that's the thing. Like uh, honestly, compared to other Summer Slams, another thing I will say is that it's definitely one of the most memorable. We probably had a lot, be, a much better wrestling. On, on, on a, you know, if you go and if you just comparing cards and you going on match quality, yeah, you can think you definitely can do that. But honestly, WWE have yet to top just the 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 the, the feeling and like you said, just the way it. Because like honestly, you couldn't tell that this wasn't one of those a hundred thousand people. Yeah. Wrestlemania type shows like honestly, even if the match didn't matches didn't really measure up to that, the crowd and everything about it, the pageantry, it was all about that and that's the one thing I will say about AEW. like the fact that they got eighty thousand people you know scheduled possibly to be there and um you know and it's gonna be a big deal like I think no question we know the matches, the wrestling will probably be better, but will they be will it be as memorable? Will people be talking about it thirty years? Down the line. Maybe or will they be talking about it just the fact that they got it done and it happened? Or will they be actually talking about the moments from uh, you know, all in uh in, in Wembley? So that that's really the question I wanna know. Yeah. But I know of course it's impossible to say. So we'll see. But yeah, man, this is definitely one of the most memorable shows ever. Not just Summer Slams, man, just shows in WWE history ever, still to this day. Yeah. And that's something they can always tip their caps about when it comes to Wembley in ninety two. Yeah.
0: Amen to that. And again, you make an excellent point. We're talking about this card 31 years afterwards. We won't be talking about All In a week later because it will be All Out. So again, AEW need to do something special so <laughs> we don't forget about it as a whole. Um, finally, it's been 31 years, but it is sad to think that the Road Warriors, Nails, Sherry, Earthquake, The Genius, Crush, Warrior, Savage, Mr. Perfect, Kamala, and Bulldog are no longer with us. And what's even more scary is most of them hey. died over a decade ago. Some things have changed for better in wrestling then, I suppose. Also, Piper, Lord Alfred, Bobby Heen and Mean Gene will always be missed. So that's it. The next time a major wrestling company has an event at Wembley, we'll be all in, and we will be there. But don't forget, we across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNR JR. You can find the entire WNR team on the Twitter banner. Monty, you're telling us earlier you're into the G1. Where can people find and listen to you, my friend?
3: So, at my Monty Pod on Twitter, like you just mentioned, or you can check the WNR Twitter banner. Go there, click the link in my bio, or click some of my most recent posts because I've definitely posted about... My uh, last few episodes, I, I found a way to get two podcasts out in a week. I'm already halfway through uh, working on. Uh, I'm just waiting on night six. I'm, I'm ahead. I already got half of that recorded, so I'm ready to put out the third one. Because I'm right now, I'm, I'm on the G1. I can't believe it. This is the most, the best I've ever done keeping up with it. So you know, honestly, like I've on it. I've done night one. I've reviewed night two. I've, I've done three and four. Now I, I just recorded night five this morning. And I'm waiting on Sunday, which is tomorrow. I'm waiting on that, waiting on the card to watch that tomorrow morning and all of that so I can try to review that one and have this out, have night five and six out on Monday. I know that sounds like (laughs) a lot, but that's honestly the pace that they're they're going at. It's been a lot of fantastic wrestling. And uh, I think listening to my individual pods will be the best way for you to get what I really feel about each match because that's the freshest. I'm like, I'm doing it literally after I watch the show, writing a few notes. So check it out and keep up with the G1 with me on the mind of what's podcast.
0: Perfect. Jaxy. what about you?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm across both, uh, Twitter and Instagram at Jaxie's pilot.
0: And our own G1. Thank you. <laughs>
1: You can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter
0: uh, at Purple Pain. Well, the WNR also on Facebook and Instagram. Across all Google platforms, send us an email at WNRpodcast at gmail.com. YouTube, WNRpodcast, we'll let clips and podcasts at the same time. And YouTube, to do SoundCloud on your phone. Also Spotify and iTunes, but you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that's it. Next episode on WNR is Impact Catch-Up. Now, Monty, I hear you laughing, sir, right? But- I have 27 episodes of Impact to watch. That's what I'm reviewing next week. I have two pay-per-views, four (laughs) special events, and 27 impacts. So...
3: (laughs) Good luck. Good luck, buddy.
0: (laughs) Uh, As for the team in itself, I'm hoping to kind of do like a SummerSound Live prediction show, but I'm not sure what it's going to be. Definitely, team will be back by August 12th for... uh... 2023 review but that is it until then I was James Roswell was joined by the fantastic Jaxie Scarlett thank you very much for joining me I hope it was worth it
1: it was it's definitely been fun so um, on to the next one I can't wait
0: yeah, actually, I uh, the mind of Monty good luck with New Japan and I'll need it for impact
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah good for the same man yeah. wishing me luck man you need it <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, of course, the genius of Gina. Gina, I know you didn't want to watch it, but like I said, it wasn't too bad in the end, really. It's like spending a couple hours with me. It wasn't too bad in the end. Yeah, it was tolerable. It was tolerable,
1: <laughs> and it gave me the excuse
2: to have <laughs> afternoon drinks. Yeah,
0: so, that's, yeah. That's what my ex girlfriend say. Tolerable with able to have <laughs> afternoon drinks. So, you know, that's all we need. Yeah, Yeah, and drinking. That's all we need. Uh, (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. On that note, thanks for listening, everybody. And bye.